0: Hello, and welcome to Kodish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Tools and Tips series.
1: Hey, hello, welcome to Codish. Today, we are going to be talking about coding interviews and how to prepare for them. Today, uh, we are with Parker Finney from Interview Cake, and this is your host. My name is Julian Duque. I'm a developer advocate at Heroku, and this is my first time hosting a Codish episode. So I'm very happy to be right here with you all. Now we are going to let Parker introduce himself. Yeah.
0: So my name is Parker Finney. Uh, I run a company called Interview Cake. It makes interviews a piece of cake. Oh, nice. <laughs> Thank you. It's our little our little jingle. You know, we actually don't use that anywhere on the website. We should probably. But yeah, so in, Interview Cake is a study tool that software engineers can use to prepare for coding interviews. Um, so we have a bunch of practice questions, as well as um, some tutorials and reference information about data structures and algorithms. So our focus is helping people prepare for uh, especially the type of interview that um, involves data structures and algorithms kind of stuff. So the the kind of tricky interview questions where you're going to be talking about time efficiency and space efficiency and probably using big O notation and playing around with data structures
1: and stuff like that. Yeah, those are topics that if you don't have a computer science background, those might sound a little bit intimidating. Personally, I'm a telecommunications engineer, so I don't have any background around the computer science. I recently joined Heroku and was interviewing for other companies. And the technical interview process is something that, especially for me that I don't have the computer science background gives me a lot of anxiety. Yeah. It makes me feel it makes me feel insecure. It made me feel that maybe I I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know if I'm going to be performing. Because you sometimes get these stories that this type of whiteboard interview questions are super hard. And companies like Facebook, Google, they have like a pretty strict a process to get into into these companies and bypassing the interview process. So, how you prepare people or how you help them to become more confident to go through the whole interview process?
0: Yeah, well, you're you're not alone. I mean, the 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 coding interview is is uh, something that really strikes fear in the the majority of, of engineers and a lot of people who don't have um, computer science degrees. Um, obviously have that fear Um, but um, those folks are also often surprised to learn that even people coming out of um, a computer science program at MIT uh, are afraid of the coding interview I mean it's a very specific game and it's one that very very few of us are just good at for free the vast majority of us just need to do some practice to to get comfortable with, with doing this stuff so yeah, so my, my recommendation for preparing, I mean, the, the biggest thing is to practice. I mean, that's um, by far the, the, the most important thing because um, there's a lot of sort of awkwardness around the structure. You'll be, for people who haven't done a coding interview before, if it's an on-site interview, you'll be standing in front of a whiteboard, writing code on a whiteboard, which is, um, you know, something that most of us are, are not used to. Um, you'll be thinking out loud and designing uh, an algorithm in front of a person. So it's you know, it's almost like giving a tech talk where you don't really know where you're going yet. It sounds very scary, definitely is the the first couple times. And if it's a phone interview, it'll be a similar kind of structure, but um, you'll be talking into your laptop. So in some ways it's it's even trickier because you don't have, you know the person on the other end might be nodding at you, but you can't see that, so you just kind of feel like you're monologuing into the void. So, all this stuff is is very awkward at first, but it actually gets more comfortable with with more practice. So, that's my first tip: is is to just practice so that you're you're less um, uncomfortable with the the structure of the interview. And then the second tip is to brush up on data structures and algorithms. And that's really where interview cake, uh, comes in. Um, our contention is that, um, you know, you could run dozens of practice problems and, and slowly get better. But the thing that we do kind of uniquely, we kind of figured out that what's happening in your head when you're doing that is you're learning a, a small set of algorithmic patterns that come up again and again in these tricky data structures and algorithms problems. And those underlying patterns are what allow you to have that eureka moment of like, oh, yeah, oh, if, if I uh, reverse the list in place, then I can do this and, you know, little, little tricks like that. So what we do is is we, uh, we teach those patterns directly and that um, gets people more comfortable with solving tricky algorithms
1: problems more quickly. Well, that's very interesting. So besides uh, teaching the technical part, you are also teaching how to uh Communicate and explain these algorithms and exercises during the interview because this is also like one of the hardest part. I might be super, super good at solving the technical challenges and by writing code, but might have problems communicating what I have in mind while explaining the algorithm. How how you approach this communication part of the interview? How you prepare the people to? To be able to communicate properly.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's it's something that we don't focus on uh, a whole lot today. I would love to do a little bit more. Um, that's something that that really is um, pretty um, person specific, and so there are some other companies in our space that do um, something that's a little bit more one-on-one with with um, practice interviews or like in-person tutorials or in-person practice or uh, or lessons. What we do do is um, offer a little bit of advice on what I like to call the the soft stuff, right? Sort of the, the general uh, strategy for this kind of stuff. Outside of kind of the communication part, we do offer a lot of advice around um, how to get unstuck, for example. Like when you have that deer in the headlights moment where... Um, You've heard the problem, and you have no idea how to get started. Uh, we give you a, a very clear roadmap for um, how to start, kind of poking at the problem to try to crack it. We also give a lot of tips for how to navigate like various parts of the interview that that people get wrong. So, for example, there's a, a common scenario in a coding interview is that you're you're working on a problem and you're going down a path, and you actually think that you're you're onto something. You haven't seen all the way to the end yet, but but you, th- you, think, you're, uh, uh, you think you're getting close and, and you're going down this path, explaining this algorithm. Maybe you're starting to code it up and your interviewer interrupts you and says, oh, but what if we did it this way? This is a lot easier to explain visually, which is what we do um, on, on our website. A lot of people get that moment wrong because they think that um, the interviewer is giving them a hint. And they think that they lose points if they get a hint. So they kind of talk past their interviewer um, to signal, like, oh no, I'm not stuck yet. I don't need a hint. Right. But what's actually going on under the hood often in that scenario is that you're on a path that uh, leads to a dead end. um, And your interviewer knows that. And they know that you don't know that yet. And they're not faulting you for that. But they do want to give you a chance to get all the way to the end before time runs out. So they're kind of rushing you through um, that process of hitting that dead end and then, and then backpedaling. There's a lot of kind of little nuanced stuff around like common misconceptions about what interviewers are, are looking for and this like fear of receiving hints and stuff. So we, we talk a lot about that.
1: And it's also how to properly ask questions because the, the interviewers are also expecting you to be asking about the problem and yeah. the quality of the question you are you're, you're doing at that moment. Because that shows that first you are understanding the problem you are working on, and it gives you a way to test out certain approaches before going to the whiteboard. One of the things I learned before going through the whole interview process was to communicate what I was trying to do before jumping directly into the whiteboard. Like mm-hmm. trying to analyze the problem, yeah. to check all the different input and output, what the problem was asking before jumping directly straight to code. yeah,
0: and that's that's something that um, interviewers are are often looking for, and again, it's not our first intuition, right? we're We're not really used to thinking out loud, but from your interviewer's perspective, they really want um, to believe that you have an organized thought process. So it takes a little bit to get used to that process of like, okay, I'm not going to write code. I'm just going to kind of figure out exactly what I'm going to do first. And then I'm going to explain that very clearly to my interviewer. And then once we agree, then I'm going to start writing code. And then, you know, I'm not going to start debugging that code until I finish writing it. And then I'm going to go back and try it with a sample input. You know, this very procedural uh, approach is not often how we're we're used to to writing code because we're not used to having someone looking over our shoulder. Um, but it's an important thing to to practice and be able to show in in the coding interview.
1: Interesting. I have a, a question. And what's the motivation behind Interview Cake? Why Parker Feeney decided to create this uh, initiative? This company? yeah.
0: Well, so the story is I, I was working at a startup in San Francisco. Uh, I was an engineer and then a product manager there. And I had a good friend who kind of fell on hard times. Um, she She lost her job and um, she lost her apartment and she needed to kind of make a a career change. And um, And so she did one of these um, coding boot camp type of schools, one of these twelve week uh, coding programs. And she was kind of crashing on various friends' couches, in- including mine. So when she finished the program and she was going out to uh, interview, I ran a couple practice problems with her because my company was hiring so aggressively that I was talking with as many as two candidates a day, right? It's like 10 candidates a week, right? So I was on the other side of so many of these interviews and I could see the mistakes that other people were making. We sat down and, you know, I, I gave um, this friend a, a couple practice problems and and she struggled but um, we took a long weekend to kind of fill in the gaps in her knowledge and, and teach her some of the strategy on this stuff. One thing that was interesting with, with this friend is that um, you know, she didn't have a computer science degree. So she was a little bit weaker on the more academic uh, data structures and algorithms, big O notation kind of stuff. But we were surprised to find that it didn't take that long for her to pick this stuff up because she didn't need to be able to prove theorems and um, you know solve like algorithms, problem sets. Uh, she just needed to know the stuff she needed to know for, for the coding interview, which is a very specific, very learnable um, set of things. So we filled in the gaps there, ran a bunch of practice problems. It only took a long weekend to get her really good at this stuff. And then she went out and interviewed and she ended up getting a job at Facebook, and uh, suddenly she was making more than I was. So uh, that was a big sea change for her. And it was a big learning experience for me. Yeah, really inspired me to um, go out there and help more people do the same.
1: That was the best validation of the idea. I mean, if she was able to land that Facebook, which is one of those companies that are known for having a strict uh, interview process. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. So that's where you started to create the first uh, content, it was uh, after that?
0: Yeah, well, that, that was what got me um, starting to think about this stuff. One thing I did in the early days that I th- I think helped a lot was um, I got in touch with all the coding schools in San Francisco. And I got them to, I don't remember if they, they paid me or, or not in the early days, but would bring me in for a one-day workshop on coding interviews with the students. And that was really how I developed the curriculum. I was starting to build the website simultaneously, but it was really, really helpful to be actually teaching in person, noticing which things were confusing for people, which things didn't need a lot of explanation. Um, and that was really how I kind of molded the curriculum in the early days, Uh, I knew at a certain point when those workshops were kind of on autopilot and I really sort of knew how I wanted to explain each thing and and stuff like that, that the curriculum was good. So then it was just a a matter of
1: writing that up on the website, basically. What is the type of content do you have in in your website right now? What can I find if I go to Interview Cake and I want to get prepared for a code interview. Yeah, definitely. What I should expect. So
0: um, the the bread and butter is a bunch of interactive practice questions. The setup is a little bit unique. So um, you'll see a question um, and you'll have a code editor over um, to the right-hand side that you can open up so you can uh, type up your answer and we have some test cases. You can test it when you're done. But what's unique about Interview Cake is, and this came from doing a bunch of user, user testing in the early days. You know, these coding interview questions are usually designed to take uh, upwards of like 45 minutes. Um, so each question is tends to be pretty long and has some twists and turns. And the best questions actually have three different answers that are all correct. There's a bad answer, a good answer, and a great answer. And the difference between the three is is their efficiency. And so what you're doing in those 45 minutes is uh, coming up with some insights, stitching some stuff together until you get to the bad answer. And then seeing if you can tweak the knobs and improve some stuff and then get to the good answer and then see if you can improve the efficiency even further to get to the great answer. So with that in mind, the very first prototype of Interview Cake used what I call a flashcard model where you have a question and then um, you press a button to basically turn the flash card over and you would see the answer, right? The problem is if you, um, and I saw this in, in user testing, if you have the um, bad answer uh, and then you flip over to see the uh, the final solution, you kind of lose the rest of the exercise. You didn't get to do that process of trying to improve from the bad answer to the get good answer to the great answer, and also a lot of people might get stuck even before getting to the bad answer, and some people would you know get stuck at the good answer but not get a chance to kind of try to improve through to the great answer, right? So so the flashcard thing really wasn't uh, working, and I noticed that when I sat and um, you know the friend I was talking about earlier when we were doing practice problems. There, it wasn't just question and answer. It was this dialogue, and there were a lot of like little nudges and hints that I would give along the way. All this is to say, Interview Cake mimics that dialogue of having a tutor there or, honestly, a real interviewer there with you. So you have the question, and then when you get stuck, you can say, tell me more, and you'll get um, a little nudge that's just just kind of the next logical step that you need to make That's hopefully enough for you to just take it and run with it. If you get stuck again, you can say, tell me more. And so for most questions, we have like dozens of these little nudges that come up. And then we have um, something that's a little unique. We call them gotchas. So if you have the good answer and you think it's the best answer, uh, you can say, I have an answer on interview cake. You can press a button. And um, before showing you the final answer, we give you uh, what we call a gotcha. So it's just enough information to compare your answer. Uh, Often it's the big O efficiency. So maybe we'll say something like, you can do this in O of n time. And you can look at your good answer and say, oh, actually mine is n log n. Oh, I guess there's more to this. So instead of blowing the whole exercise, we give you just enough to know, oh, there's actually more to be figured out here. And then you can get back into it.
1: How do you validate the, the content you have or the type of information you have with the current questions that are being asked in the different companies? Because I, I, I saw in the in the website that you have also mm-hmm. sections of questions by company. Mm-hmm. How do you validate those against what is being asked really in, in a coding interview?
0: The, they're they're kind of a a couple things. So in in general, the way we kind of keep track of what questions are being asked is that we we dialogue pretty closely with uh, users. So as soon as someone signs up for interview cake, we start sending them uh, these drip emails. We send them from our support email address and we just invite people to say um, what they're struggling with, what, what kinds of tricky problems they've been getting, stuff like that. And so we hear from people, like, what's going on, what, what stuff we have prepared them well for, what what stuff kind of blindsided them. And, and so we continue to kind of tweak the content around that. Um, so that's how we, we stay sort of uh, on top of trends in general. At a high level, um, this stuff hasn't moved much in the past few years. The the coding interview has, has stayed largely the same. But there are some interesting new things around... Um, Uh, Some companies are moving away from the data structures and algorithms part of the coding interview, and instead they're giving you uh, what are sometimes called like take-home projects. Mm -hmm. So they'll say like, go and build an app that does this, or they'll give you like a problem that's set up on a a platform like HackerRank or something, um, and you have a certain amount of time to, to build a thing where um, there's a little bit they're paying attention to the efficiency of your solution, but um, it's a little bit more focused on uh, can you write code that successfully does the thing in a timely manner, and um, is your code sort of well-styled and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's some kind of new trends in the space, but when it comes to the data structures and algorithms, questions, those have, uh, have largely stayed um, pretty similar over time.
1: Yeah, I know there is people that even do this as like an exercise. I know people and I have friends that they go through different interviews at big companies, but just for uh, practicing. They are not looking forward to landing to a job. They just want to go through the technical interview process to see if they are able to, to pass it. Do mm-hmm. you have that that type of users as well? People that are only looking forward to to increase their expertise and test it out in a real code interview?
0: We do, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's always exciting to me to hear about those types of users because to me it, it means that we're doing something very right. If, if someone thinks that this stuff is actually fun, um, it, it means that, that that we're doing something right. Um, so yeah, one of the things that we do to, to cater to those folks is, um, we have a mailing list you can join where we, um, take one of our practice problems each week and we take it out from behind the paywall and send it out to everybody. Um, and so this is a way that with, without having to pay for our course, you can just kind of get, uh, this nice little drip of practice problems and, uh, stay sharp and, Once in a while, I hear stories about uh, folks who get together to like do the problem together, like people in the same office or like schoolmates. Um, And I think that's just like super fun.
1: And what about competitive programming? You have also training material for joining a programming competition?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, That's actually something that we have been um, not steering towards. Um, if if you look in our space, there are a lot of companies that have started off doing something a little bit more like what we do, the coding interview preparation. And then they've sort of moved slowly into some recruiting stuff. So it's like, okay, well, now we have all these great engineers. Let's sell access to them to, to companies. Um, and then it's like, well, okay, so if we're doing that, we need to uh, figure out who's um, the best among these engineers. And so They get more into evaluation and competitions and and stuff like that. And uh, over time, our contention is when you're doing that with your product, uh, as you become more focused on evaluation and sorting, right, you become more focused on figuring out who's already good, you get worse at making everyone better. And um, we've experimented with this stuff a little bit over time. But what I've learned is that for me, my my superpower the thing that I'm good at is teaching and so we we don't focus on some of the other stuff around uh, letting people compete and figuring out who's already good um, we focus on just making everyone better to
1: making the interview a piece of cake exactly <laughs> exactly uh, can you uh, like to to learn a little bit more about the technical aspects of the platform? What type of languages do you support or what type of uh, other exercises can you uh, host in your platform?
0: Yeah, so um, our content is available in 10 different programming languages. That means that the practice problems, the code samples, and also the code editor and the test cases and stuff um, are available in, um, in those 10 different languages. But it also means that the, the text of the problem uh, is available in those different languages. That means that it, when you change the, um, the programming language, which you can do on any question without uh, a page refresh, it'll just uh, change right there in front of you. Not only do the code samples change, but the variable names might change from camel case to snake case. Um, and then whole whole sentences and whole paragraphs might disappear or appear um, depending on the different affordances of, of the language. So for example, a problem that's about reversing a string in place is going to be a little bit different in a language that has immutable strings. So um, we have uh, we really kind of go back and rewrite each bit of content for each different programming
1: language. and. If I don't know pretty much anything about uh, uh, technical interviews and I'm just new in this uh, world of uh, computer programming, can I benefit from Interview Cake or do I need to have like some sort of initial knowledge to to use the platform?
0: We try our best to, um, to really be able to take people from um, completely green on the um, data structures, and algorithms all the way up to to ready-to-interview-at-Google. That is ambitious, but um, we really think it it can be done. So really the only prerequisite to start learning from Interview Cake is to be uh, proficient with programming in general, variables and loops and and all that good stuff, Um, as long as you can sling some code pretty comfortably. Uh, you you can start learning about data structures and algorithms with interview cake.
1: Do you have any other advice or recommendation for listeners? I guess the biggest
0: one is, and something I was also thinking about just now with your question about how much experience do you need before you can start using interview cake? A thing that a lot of people struggle with, uh, with the coding interview is imposter syndrome. And um, this is something oh, we, we talk about a lot. Yeah. And, and, um, it's insane that it um, it happens to all of us, right? And and we all think that the person next to us has it all figured out, and we, we don't actually belong in the room. But that person next to us has that exact same thought, right? And especially in the context of interviewing, it makes a lot of sense that we would start to doubt ourselves because we know that the the game of the interview is, you know, this person sitting at on the other side of the table is um, is trying to figure out if, if we're good enough, right? Or, or maybe put a little bit less judgmentally if, if we're a good fit, right? That makes us ask ourselves the question, are we good enough? Are we a good fit? Do we know how to do this stuff? How can I prove that? How do I even know that for myself, right? And that's where the doubt kind of creeps in. So the advice that I uh, like to give people is, is to first of all, just know that that's part of the process. It happens to everybody, that's just a part of your mind that that you have to kind of take as a given that that's you're going to have those thoughts. You're going to feel like you don't belong. You just have to remember that everybody feels that way, even people coming out of MIT with fancy degrees. And the way specifically that I try to kind of help people to reprogram that thought process is to reframe things a little bit. So um, again, this is a little bit easier to explain visually, which which we do on the interviewcake.com website. But the fear that a lot of us have is that our knowledge is, uh, we know that it's, we don't know everything, right? We know that there's a lot of stuff that we haven't learned about yet. And it seems like there's more and more stuff every day that we haven't learned about, right? Suddenly everyone's talking about machine learning. Everyone's talking about data science. Everyone's talking about neural networks, you know, whatever, all this stuff. You're like, oh my God, how can I learn all this? And, and you have this idea that everyone around you sort of knows more than you, but we've all kind of had those moments where we've realized all at once that actually that's not true. Um, What we picture in our minds, uh, this thing where our knowledge set is like a small subset of everybody else's. The reality is it's more like a Venn diagram, you know, that same person who is sitting next to you in the office making you feel like an imposter because they're such a wizard with algorithm stuff and they can whip up some fancy backend, uh, tree traversal, uh, algorithm in, in a second, you know, the next day they might come to you and say, Oh my God, I've been trying to center an image for an hour and I can't figure out how to do it. Right. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, you know, I can sling CSS like, like nothing else. Right. The examples are going to be different for all of us, but the bottom line is that there are these moments where we realize, oh, it's actually not true that uh, that everyone knows more than me. It's more true that we just have different little knowledge circles on this big, enormous plane where nobody knows everything. And so there are moments where we're humbled and there's, there's more stuff that, that we don't know about yet. And then there are also moments where we get to kind of be the expert. And so I encourage people to just kind of like, have that picture of this big knowledge plane where all of our circles are kind of small and over you know overlap in various ways rather than kind of thinking like everybody else knows everything and you're just this little
1: speck totally agree i've been in this industry for more than 15 years and i constantly feel the same like that i don't know anything and there's a lot of people that know way more than me but that's that as you say, it's not the, the reality. Everybody knows some some aspect of their technology or they master some things and they can like help each other with others, which is like pretty awesome. Yeah. I want to uh, recommend something that helped me a lot when I was going through this interview process. I, since I don't come from a computer science background, there is a series of books that I like a lot called the Imposter's Handbook. I'm not sure if you if you know that series of book.
0: I think I've heard of it.
1: Yeah, the Imposter's Handbook, it's a brief introduction to computer science uh, terminology and concepts. It will teach you about big O notation, nice. data structures. It will teach you about algebra, about all of the different uh, knowledge you will need to have to understand what's going on with the whole interview preparation. So it's a very good starting point if you don't have that knowledge before going now to do practices and go on following like a website like interview cake. So if you have the opportunity to to search the book, I will be sharing the link with you all. Uh, it's very recommended and can give you a very good introduction about computer science.
0: Nice. That's a great tip.
1: Beautiful. Parker, thank you very much for all your information about how to pass uh, coding interviews by using your platform and all of the different uh, tips and tricks you gave to our audience and this has been another episode of Codish. Remember, I was Julian Duque. i looking forward to hear you on the next episode. Thank you very much, Parker, for all your time. Thanks, Julian.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Codish Podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your application in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish, or any of the Heroku podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.